leaving Jesus' wake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you, Addie, uh, for reading that. I think the first thing that we have to admit when we hear the words to a story like that is that that story is extremely weird. It's very strange. And even when I was reading the Old Testament uh, text earlier, you probably thought the same thing. Like, what a strange story. The shining faces, almost called the sermon, Shiny Happy People. Um, Worst REM song ever. Amen. Thank you. But it is a very, very weird uh, story. And honest academics and theologians really don't even try to explain everything that was going on in this story. They just let it sit there as it is and instead uh, allow it to speak something and to find maybe what it's talking about. And so that's what we want to do today. It's just, just settle it here in the room before we begin. Story is weird but maybe it's trying to tell us something uh, that we need to know. And so I like that approach. I love this lyric, by the way, from uh, the Counting Crows holiday in Spain. And there's a line in there that says, everybody's gone, they left the television screaming that the radio's on, someone stole my shoes, but there's a couple of bananas and a bottle of booze. (laughs) My wife's a huge fan of the Counting Crows, and we were in the car and that song came on and she said, that's such a weird line that it must have actually happened. You know what I mean? Maybe you can uh, think back to your high school days or two weeks ago. I don't know. And uh, that, that line seems quite real. So maybe perhaps when we encounter these stories uh, in the scriptures, both uh, the Old and New Testament, and they're just so bizarre, maybe perhaps that that's just what they were. They just happened. And the writers go, this is what happened. And it's just so strange. It's also a turn Uh, This scene is also a turn in the story of Jesus. Uh, This is a decisive turn in the narrative of Jesus' life, his teachings, his ministry. This story sits at a pivot in the whole story of Jesus. What we know is that he is about to make his way into Jerusalem, not for the first time, but for the last time. Later on in this same chapter, uh, it says in verse 51, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face for Jerusalem, to go to Jerusalem. So we know that this is a shift, a turn, a pivot in that story too. It's also on the church calendar, which is a sequence of seasons and themes and focal points for the church. This Sunday is also a turn in the calendar as well. What happens this coming Wednesday and in the subsequent Sundays is the season of Lent. We are currently leaving the season 
of Epiphany, which is a season of discovery, a season of seeing Jesus again, or maybe for the first time, or again for the first time. We're, we're captivated by the discovery process of who uh, Jesus was and is. And the disciples up to this point with Jesus, it's similar. They're watching him do miracles. They're listening to him say things that they've never heard before. They're watching him interact with people that you're not supposed to interact with, especially in Luke's gospel. And so they have been watching this unfold too. And this story, both in their lives and in the life of the church, becomes a turn into something else. We are leaving Epiphany and we are heading into Lent, this transitional story from discovery to struggle. This story makes the last epiphany moment. Now the text, a few odds and ends for you so we can understand uh, maybe what's going on. Now there are sites that people sort of claim that this is where this took place. The traditional site is Mount Tabor. Uh, This is a picture of it, obviously taken after the days of Jesus. Uh, If you look closely, there's always telephone wires, um, airplanes if you look really close. Um, But this is a, a traditional site for the mountain on which this story took place. Now the mountain in Luke's gospel is both a place but also an image of divine encounter. It's an image of struggle. It's even an image of prayer and of change. We see that this story is even happening in the midst of uh, a prayer, that they have gone up to this mountain to pray. And the disciples, it says, are awakened uh, supposedly by the conversation that's going on with this weird thing that's happening between Jesus and Moses and Elijah. Now, who are these two people? I'm not asking you because I know that that's awkward. Who knows who Elijah is? What century was he a prophet? Anyone? Um, But Elijah was one of Israel's prophets, a ninth century prophet. And the prophet's job uh, in the life of Israel was they were kind of covenant gatekeepers. They reminded Israel of like God's covenant with them, his relationship with them. He reminded, uh, the prophet reminded Israel of their role in the world is to be the image of God in the world, to be as uh, we see in the prophet Isaiah, to be a light to the nations, a light to the world. Uh, And so the prophet's job is to keep irritating the people of Israel to remain faithful to the God who remains faithful to them. And so Elijah stands as this representation of that Tradition And Moses, as you know, is uh, Val Kelmer in the cartoon Prince of Egypt. <laughs> you didn't know that. I, I take that. Okay. Uh, no, Moses is, as you may or may not know, the great liberator of the people of Israel. Moses is raised within an Egyptian household, but is called by God to lead the liberation, uh, the abolition of the people of Israel who had become enslaved uh, by the Egyptian superpower of the day. He is the great liberator of these people. In verse 31, uh, Luke tells us that they appeared in glory and were speaking. This is what woke the disciples up, I guess. They were speaking about Jesus's, what's the word there? Departure, right? Speaking about Jesus's departure. We know because we can read ahead that this is about his coming death, his resurrection, ultimately. But they are speaking about Jesus' departure. Now, the Greek word for departure here is exodus. 
And so now we can start to make these connections with why is Moses here? Why is Elijah here? Again, the prophets remind Israel what God had done for them. Um, Moses, back further into the story, is the liberator, uh, the leader of the Exodus. Uh, If you're not quite sure what I'm talking about, there's a whole book of the Bible, the very second one, it's titled Exodus. Very good. And uh, what does it mean? It means a road out. The Exodus road is a road out. And the Exodus event in the life of Israel is a foundational story. It's not a once-off or throwaway. It is a foundational story. It's a story of bondage to freedom. It's a a time stamp for the people of Israel of God's care and mercy and faithfulness. It uh, becomes a a setting event kind of story to remind Israel that they too should not enslave. They do. They don't follow these directions very well. But it becomes a timestamp of God's care, of his faithfulness. And what we know about the Exodus story is that the, the experience of the Israelites during the Exodus was not easy. It was very difficult. Uh, I love the story of... Um, Stories of Harriet Tubman, who is known as the Black Moses, leading slaves north here in America. And uh, I love this. I mean, there's great stories, but one of my favorite storylines is of her threatening escapees. If they, if they even think about turning to go home, she'll shoot them dead. It just seems so like, wow, that's harsh. But there's two things happening there. We, we recognize that a road to freedom is never easy, and there's always this temptation to go back to what you knew, even as terrible as it may have been. Uh, but there's also this issue of, like, this is such a serious thing that you could compromise the freedom of others if you turn back and go home. So I love that story. Uh, but it was not an easy event, an easy experience for Israel or for Moses. Like during the whole exodus, I mean, people hated Moses. They just, they trusted him and yet they just really hated him. Uh, he was the they in the conversations. Like, you know, well, they told us to go here. They told us to do that. They told us to, this is where we're going. You, you have these people in your life. Uh, Moses was one of those people. Uh, out of slavery, yes, but also now just wandering around homeless shelterless, directionless. I love in Exodus 13 is part of the story. It says, the Israelites say to Moses, by the way, if only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. For you, Moses, have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. So his poll numbers were sinking basically is what I'm saying. It's a difficult experience. You know it's hard when the temptation to go back to bondage feels right. And so this Exodus story is a foundational story for Israel. It's a foundational moment in their history. Now we know that from this story of Jesus, his disciples, and Elijah and Moses, we know what is coming. We know the journey to Jerusalem will involve Uh, many incredible events, but ultimately his arrest, his trial, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. We know that, and we know the resurrection and all it would mean was on the horizon. 
However, the road there would be an exodus road. We talk about the passion of Jesus. Uh, The Holy Week before Easter is sometimes called the Passion Week. This is not the passion of Jesus in the sense that he's really passionate about these things. It has to do with suffering, his suffering experience. And so the resurrection and all it would mean and imply is on the horizon, but the road to the resurrection is an exodus road. And perhaps this is what, uh, what Peter means. I mean, what Peter says kind of makes sense in this moment. Like, Jesus, why don't we just live here in this moment? Remember that part of the story? It's good for us to be here. Let me just set up shelters and tents. We'll sell merch. We'll do the whole thing here. Let's just stay put. And Jesus, um, I guess he's channeling the future Steve Miller that you've got to go through hell before you get to heaven. And something new was coming. And these disciples were being called to walk with Jesus on this road, this Exodus road into a new world. Uh, Several weeks ago, we celebrated our church's 18th birthday and we decided that we would put all these photos of our our life journey as a church around the building. These aren't staying here forever. They come down after this week, but we thought as the kids tend to do, this is our birthday month, okay? And uh, (laughs) because we need more attention Um, But we wanted to leave these up because we know that the average church attendance in America is 1.2 times a month. Uh, So we'll just leave it up. Don't don't take that as a hit. It's not. It's just reality. So we thought, well, we probably leave them up, you know, because somebody will see them one time. Um, But it's always interesting to me because if you're unfamiliar with our church's story, we've been in five different locations. And uh, we've only been around 18 years, so it's, it's a lot of movement. It's a lot of things. I love this picture um, from our move from uptown to our downtown location. And here is uh, Carter Dixon, like, disassembling our uh, letters on the building. Now, people wanted the letters. That's why he's on the ladder. Uh, <laughs> I want the T. I want the, and uh, Mickey wanted the A, because our kids' names start with A and all that, and she wanted the A. And so Joel Mooneyhan climbed the ladder and got the A and snuck it to Mickey because people were asking for the A for some reason. Um, pastor's wife privilege right there. <laughs> but I think about our church's like journey, like it, that's what it's been. It's been an exodus journey, you know, a, a journey of being settled and then unsettled and then settled and then unsettled, settled again. That's what it's been for us for 18 years. And when we bought this building, we thought, finally, normal. And then eight and a half months later, COVID hit. And while other churches, true story, while other churches like, I don't know, ran around screaming, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We looked at each other as a staff and went, we got this. (laughs) We know how to do this. Maybe we tried a few things that didn't work, but you know what I'm saying? Like this, this interruption in the settled state is not new for us. We knew how to pivot and we knew how to make the best of what it was. We knew how to do this and we knew how to survive. And what we know how, knew how to do was to keep, just keep walking, just keep moving, to keep following, to keep trusting. 
and to keep trusting that some sort of rest stop was ahead. And I would say that, and you know this to be true, we all have our own exodus road that we have to walk. Um, Something that we're all living through that feels like an unsettled state. Maybe there's some unsettledness in your life when it comes to forgiveness of people, but maybe also of yourselves. It's just, it's a constant hum of unsettledness in your life. There's, it's too difficult for you to forgive others or maybe even worse, yourself. Or maybe there's an unsettledness with regards to peace in your life. And I don't mean like that kind of like that kind of peace, although that's important, but I just mean in your relationships and at work or just wherever, like there's always a sense of unrest going on. Or maybe the shadow of anxiety and depression, which by the way, just follows you, doesn't it? Sometimes precedes you all the days of your life. And it's difficult for you. I will say uh, that Jesus doesn't uh, cure you of those things. Uh, but he sits with you in therapy and he whispers that you can do this. And even if you can't, I'll be with you. Amen. We all have a road that we have to walk, an Exodus road of faith. Uh, Maybe there's faith after doubt for you. You've gone through a long season of doubt. What we saw during COVID on the research end was that what was happening in people's lives got accelerated When it comes to faith, churches got cut in half. All of them, the big, the small, the medium, all of them just cut in half. People are struggling with doubt and confusion about who God is. And there's a road that we have to take with those things. Or maybe there's faith, hopefully faith for you after a long road of deconstruction, of taking down the faith that you grew up with and learning how to have a faith as an adult on your own, that's an exodus road, or after hurt and shame and guilt. Resurrection is coming, we know that. At the end of Lent, we have Easter, and we know that uh, we will get to celebrate what Christ has done and what he continues to do in our lives, but on the church calendar, we get to sort of sit and walk slowly through the reality of suffering, of darkness, of introspection, and of a refinement of faith. And so as I close, I'm gonna ask Lindsay to come up and just uh, play some music as we move into a time of prayer, but I wanna just say this last thing. Uh, In the Bible, in the New Testament, uh, the word Christian is only used a couple times. It's not... It's not the primary name for the people who were followers of Jesus. There were many other titles for these people. You know, the Nazarenes, uh, there is Christian, of course. Uh, the, the Romans called Christians atheists. Interesting. Uh, it's no religion whose God dies, but also you don't have a temple. Um, so they were, it's weird to read old texts like that and go, wait, are they talking about, oh, they're talking about Christians. Um, all these names of uh, all these names given to the people who were followers of Jesus, but the one I really love, and Paul refers to himself as part of this uh, nomenclature as well, is people of the way. Do you see that? 
people of the way. That to follow Jesus is to move about through life. Some of this is rooted in Jesus' own words, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. But that the life with Christ is a movement. It's not a, it's not a set of statements. It's not check boxes. It's not even attendance. It's all of these things and more. It's a way of moving about in the world that we follow, that it is active. It's not static, it's dynamic. And that we are people of that uh, tradition, that we are moving with Jesus. And as we step in, out of the season of Epiphany and into the season of Lent, we will walk uh, through the stories together with Jesus and to see um, all that he has done um, and learn so much about his grace, his mercy, and his provision for us.